This is a recording from a sermon from Light Church in San Diego, California. For more information, please visit lightsandiego.com. By, by, by telling you a little bit about myself, Benji started with some things. I'm already, I mean, for my accent, you can guess I'm not from here, you know. Um, I, I was born and raised in, in Colombia. I'm from Bogota in South America. And um, I came here when I was 24. I married the, the my, I mean, the most amazing woman in the world. I, I, I married to her. There's a picture of her. This is Karen. Uh, she's also Colombian daughter of missionaries there. Uh, and um, we're just loving it. We've been here uh, all our marriage. Uh, we, we lived in Hawaii for 15 years. Uh, we, we went over there and planted a church. Somebody had to do it. And it was us. Okay. So all of you surfers and Hawaii lovers. Yeah, we lived the dream. We enjoyed it. A couple of years ago, we moved back to uh, assume the leadership of all of our churches. Uh, so our district is, is Hawaii, part of Southern California, Las Vegas, all the way to Arizona. So it's a big, big area. Uh, but um, uh, we're so happy to have Benji and Jen and you folks as part of our uh, 250 churches. So it's pretty amazing to see what God is doing. I have three boys, and I have a picture of all of them. And yeah, it looks kind of weird. Uh, my oldest is 17, my second one is 16, and my youngest one is two. <laughs> Some of you, what happened? He's like, well, you know what happened. <laughs> so so yeah, we're being, it's kind of living all over again. I mean, it's interesting. I go to, you know, take my son, junior, now in high school to his winter formal last night to change diapers. I mean, it's pretty amazing how life can go. So, uh, but we're loving it. I mean, and my second son that you see here uh, in, the, in, the, in the right, there's another picture of him, a more recent one after a haircut. Um, God bless us. David is a blessing. He was diagnosed uh, in the, to be in the spectrum of autism uh, when he was about three and a half years old. And you can imagine how, um, I mean, difficult was that. One of the things that doctors told us at the beginning, uh, and the reason why we kind of figured out that something was wrong, he was delayed in his speech. And his oldest brother, he was just nonstop. But he, this little guy, I mean, I mean, he should be speaking already. So when we went to the doctor and they gave us the diagnosis, they also told us chances are very slim that he will ever speak. Um, his delay is so bad, um, we don't think that he will ever speak. So... One of our prayer points uh, from that moment was, Lord, will, will you please uh, help David to speak? Uh, uh, do a miracle. And we prayed that for years. And uh, four years we prayed, about seven years old. Then he started like talking like nonstop. I mean, we were rejoicing. The miracle of God, it was amazing. And then quickly our prayers changed and our prayers were, Lord, would you please help David to shut up? <laughs> it's true. I'm a, I mean, we were like, Jesus, have mercy on us. I mean, I mean it was hard. And, and, but it, it was amazing. And, and one of the cool things about, you know, when there's some progress, some of you probably know and have studied this. But some of the progress in, 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 human, in human beings in communication and verbal communication is when they start asking questions. 
is a big sign of a lot of uh, 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 that th your brain is working properly is when you ask questions. So David started asking all kinds of questions when he was about nine and, and ten and, and, and all kind for everything. So, um, I mean, uh, I'm sure here the um, uh, affording housing here is really tough. I know I have heard stories. Hawaii is not an exception. It's very tough. So we live in this. It was a two bedroom, one bath. My poor wife shared for 17 years her bathroom with three boys. You know, it was, it was she reserves a word for that. But I'm in the bathroom, I'm shaving. At that time, I didn't have a beard. I was shaving, and, and David comes in the bathroom, and he looks at me, and, and he was terrified. He never kind of saw me doing that, or he, if he saw it, he never, not, but he's now asking questions. So he says, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm shaving. I'm, I'm just, and what is that? Well, you know, I have hair growing all over my face, so I don't want to have it. So I'm just, I'm just shaving it off. I'm cutting all the hairs. And he's like, oh, no, is that, does that hurt? And he says, no, no, it doesn't really. If you do it right, it's not supposed to hurt. Um, but uh, so I'm telling all this stuff. And he keeps asking, and, and what is this? Is shaving cream and, and the, you know, the razor. And he's asking and asking and asking to the point that I'm going to start my prayer. Okay, oh, Jesus, right? So... <laughs> So then he kind of looks at me up and down, and he goes, Daddy, are you going to shave the beard on your chest? <laughs> and I look at him and say, oh, boy, here we go again. So um, those are kind of the questions that he asks. Um, he's 16 now, and sometimes he has those kinds of questions, uh, very inappropriate questions sometimes. And people are like, What? Uh, but when you get to know him, you know his heart is good. Questions. We like to ask questions, right? All the time. That's part of being a human being. We all make questions, um, especially when, when we don't understand, when we get stuck. Um, uh, I have a good friend of mine uh, doing the job that I do. Uh, sometimes you have to make very difficult decisions, and sometimes I don't know what to do. So I have a good friend of mine that helps me to process things. One of the smartest guys that I know, he lives in Hawaii. His name is Creighton. And um, actually, it was a few years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, actually three years ago, this time in exactly January, when I was offered to become the supervisor here, and I didn't know what to do. I, I honestly didn't want to do this. Uh, but I felt that God was calling me, so I called Creighton, and, and um, um, he was in a different country at that time. And I said, dude... Uh, I really need to talk. I have to give an answer in the next uh, few days. And he said, what's going on? And he knew what kind of, so I need to give an And, and I talked to him for about 15 minutes. I pretty much laid down the story. Then he started asking questions. Well, what do you think about this? Have you thought about that? What, you know, what's, how's Karen feeling about this? How the kids feeling about this? Oh, we're, we're, we're processing this. And he keeps asking questions. And then he keep asking questions, and I'm getting now annoyed and frustrated. Dude, I call you to give me answers, not to ask me questions. Come on, help me here. Uh, but then I realized, uh, when I realized, I look, I mean, we've been talking almost hour and a half. And at the same time, I realized with the kind of questions that he was asking me, he was allowing me for myself to discover really what I needed to do. Very smart people, that's what they do. They listen first. And they ask you questions and let you discover the answers by yourself. It's pretty amazing. Some of the best counselors that I know, um, that's what they do. They just simply ask the correct questions. Now, today we're going to be looking in a 
Bible and a great story. And we're going to see Jesus asking questions. I mean, you would say, come on, Jesus knows everything. Why does he ask questions? Of course he knows the answers, but I think when he asks questions, he wants us to engage him in a process of us to discover what are the answers. Rather than him telling, well, this is what it is, he wants us to relate with him, to connect with him, to hang out with him. And to realize in that process, then um, uh, we can discover a lot of things. And he does it through questions. It's interesting, the Bible says that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. How many would love to hang out with a wonderful counselor, especially when you need some advice and direction in your life? Well, Jesus is the man. <laughs> we can go to him. He is the wonderful counselor. He has all the answers. He gives us the best guidance that we could ever find for our most troubled situations. So we're going to look in this story in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, if you didn't, we're going to put the, 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 the text on the screen. Mark chapter 4 is an amazing, it's an amazing story. Uh, let me just give you the context, what's going on here, what happens before that. But this is the day when Jesus, um, in the Gospels, we'll see that Jesus spent some time with a multitude of people. People just came from all over. They heard about the miracles. They heard about the teachings. So they went to Encinitas to go, Benji, you know, sorry. They went to the Sea of Galilee to hear Jesus, okay? They heard all these stories. There's a multitude of people, and this is open field all day teaching. I mean, if you complain of 40 minutes of teaching, I mean, imagine all day on the field just listening to the most amazing sermon that you could ever hear. Uh, some people call it the Sermon of the Mount. So, I mean, amazing teachings. The best sermons of Jesus that day. He's teaching to this multitude. Now, in order to kind of help you to picture in your mind what it was, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, it's on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So, so Jesus uses a boat. Picture this platform as a boat, okay? And he, he anchored, he asked the disciples to anchor the boat in the shore. So he gets in the boat, and from the boat, he is doing the teaching. You got the picture? Uh, probably with the acoustics of the place and all that kind of helped to project his voice. So really thousands of people were able to hear him. There was no, you know, a sound system there. there was, it was just the way that he set it up. Imagine the background is a beautiful lake. There's the mountains, people laying all over, and Jesus teaching all day long. Now let's pick up the story here in verse 35. That day when, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples... Let's go over to the other side. So they, he stopped preaching. Everybody's kind of there hanging out. And they, hey guys, he's 12. Why don't we go to the other side of, of the lake? Okay. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. So they took the, pretty much where he was teaching. They all went in and they took off to the other side of the lake. There were also other boats with him. A fierce storm came up out of the sudden. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. I don't know how many of you kind of hang out in boats all the time or you've been in a storm and, and you've been in a boat. I don't know. Anybody for any chance? Okay. Yeah, it's kind of rare. But I can tell you this. I've never been in that situation, but I've been in an airplane when it gets really scary. How many of you have been in planes when it gets like, okay, you see, we can relate to that. We may not relate to this, but we can relate to that. 
Man, not long ago, I was going home, and I, my, my uh, home airport is John Wayne Airport in Orange County, and usually it's pretty smooth. But that day, I don't know what was out there, but that plane was shaking like, like it was like, like, like you start hearing, everybody's just like holding on their seats. Like literally a couple of the, the cabin, the, the doors just open and, 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 and luggage start falling. And then you hear the screams like, ah! By the way, that was a guy. It wasn't a lady, okay? It was a guy. Like, ah! And then suddenly you see, you notice it. People that never been in church, people that suddenly become these faithful, prayerful warriors. Jesus, help us, right? And, and you see that? I've been in those. I mean, if you have ever been in those, now you understand what's going on here. The waves are crashing. The wind is blowing. This boat is going like, and people are freaking out. Massive panic. Now watch now verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. He is taking a cat nap. Now, if you get to know me, you will get to know this. I am not a cat person. If you're a cat person, God bless you. We'll pray for you. But I am not a cat person. I don't like cats. My doctor just told me I'm allergic to cats, and I was not surprised. You know, I just don't like him. It's not my thing. But it's interesting to see Jesus is having a cat nap. He just pictured him in a cushion, just going, mm, just taking a nap while this boat is going like crazy. Picture that. Now, the disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care that you're just going to sleep? I mean, we're going to die and you just fall asleep? So he got up and watch this. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Everybody say calm. Amazing. He said to his disciples, and here comes the questions. Here we go. First question. Why are you so afraid? Pretty much with that question, what Jesus was saying is, come on, guys. I've been hanging out with you now for almost a year and a half. You have seen me doing amazing things. We talked about this. You understand, some of you know, understand, there's, there's some, I'm, I'm, I'm not just a normal guy. You get this. I'm in the boat with you. I could help you in the midst of anything that you're going through. So, so why were you so, why you were freaking out as if I was not here with you? And then watch this. Second question. He asks, do you still have no faith? After all you have seen me doing, after all the things that I have taught you, do you like still have no faith? Now Mark says here in verse 41, hey, they were terrified. <laughs> they were terrified and they asked to each other, who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is not a normal. We kind of knew this guy was kind of weird. We kind of knew this guy was a prophet. We kind of knew this guy was very special. But even the wind and the waves obey him. There's something about. We get to discover something new about this Jesus guy that we've been following that we never discovered before. 
That's pretty much what Mark tells us. And the story ends. Uh, let's try to understand what this story is all about. I have a picture here. I took the uh, Sea of Galilee. I've been there uh, for I believe five times. And this is taken, as you can see, this is taken actually from the highest mountain surrounding the, the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's, honestly, it's just a lake, okay? Probably a fisherman gave it that name, you know? Like, you know, the fishermen, they all liars. You know, like, it was like this big, you know? Like, you know, so, so the people are oh, it's the Sea of Galilee, right? It, so it's just a lake, okay? So we're, I'm here in Mount Arbel. This is the place where you read in the Gospels and where it says that Jesus left the crowd and went to the mountain to pray. This is the place. So we went there and we took pictures. In fact, I asked Pastor Benji to come with me to Israel in a few months in September. Pastor Benji, I will take you to Mount Arbel. And we will be praying where Jesus prayed. Isn't that cool? So uh, this is the picture I took over there. Beautiful. You can see the lake in the, in the back. It looks so beautiful and peaceful. In fact, there's a picture that I took also from the other side. This is now from the lake. Mount Arbel is the one in the left. It looks like a curve right there. So just imagine a boat there. Jesus is hanging out with the disciples. You look like, come on. How can there be a storm in there? It's a lake. But people, they know about geography. And, 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 and they can explain, oh, man, the way that the topography of the place is and the way that things work there. You know, if the wind comes from, from certain places and it kind of goes, there's like a channel there. When the wind can just pick up and then... Out of the sudden, out of the sudden, you can have gust winds of 55, 65 miles per hour in a heartbeat with no notice. You don't see any clouds, nothing. And then suddenly, boom, it just comes and is, it can be a pretty scary situation. First time I went to Israel, that's what happened. We were in the Sea of Galilee. We're in a big boat, not probably a, a smaller boat like Jesus. Probably this, the Jesus boat is probably probably the size of this. Maybe up to up, from that world to up to here, uh, probably a little bit bigger. The boat that I was was big, probably uh, probably half of this room, but long. And man, the wind pick up out of the sudden, and this thing is rude. Woo, and he start rocking, and, the, and some water starts splashing inside. So even though, wow, somebody orchestrated this thing for us to come here to make the, you know, like the whole thing kind of look like, no, it was real. So it could happen. It could happen. So this is what, out of the sudden, a wind came up from nowhere. You could be peaceful day, things look great, the sun is up, and out of the sudden, a few seconds later, there's a big storm. Many of you would agree with me, sometimes that's how life plays with us, right? Life can be in a very good place. Things, you wake up that morning and everything is great. It might not be perfect, but things are great. And out of the sudden, you get the news. You get the phone call. Something happens, then alters your life. Those are real life storms. Sometimes they come unannounced. You don't want them. Nobody invites them. Nobody really wants to endure one of those, but they come. I don't know what it could be. Maybe you're having a great time in your job, and then you find out that the company's laying people off, and out of nowhere, things went great, and then boom, it hits you. You're out of a job, and you're in trouble. It could be that your marriage is better than ever, and things are so awesome, and then... You go to the doctor and there's a diagnosis. Then he's altering your life and things become very difficult. 
man, finally you're smooth sailing in, in some things in your life. And, and man, horrible news hit. Somebody that you care about goes into a tragedy. It can happen to you. That relationship that you've been investing so much through the years, probably this is probably a great thing. And then out of, out of the sudden, that relationship is not there anymore. Breakups, sickness, financial struggles, all kinds of storms, legal storms. All of a sudden, you get served with things and papers and legal storms, financial storms, health storms, or whatever. You know what is the normal reaction for us as human beings when we hit with one of those life storms? It's fear. If you're a human being, it doesn't matter how strong you are. When something like that hits you, there, there's a shocking response. But in the midst of all of it, it's all fear. And Jesus, the one thing created us, the human soul, knowing that that's the first thing. When they see these disciples in Desiree, that's why he says, why are you so afraid? Because he understands that that's our first human response. Now, what is interesting that most people, when they're going through storms, experiencing their fear, they hide their storms from others. That's what we normally do. We don't want people to, to know. Maybe they're embarrassed about what is going on and they try to deal in their own, on their own about it. Maybe in their pride, and I can relate to this, maybe in our pride, we don't want pity, and then ah, I, can, I can deal with this. I'm not going to ask for anybody. I don't need anybody's help or whatever. And, but in the middle of it, no matter what kind of defense mechanism you put, you're, you're still alone. You feel alone. You feel afraid. And you, you, you kind of have to figure out, how am I going to move forward? And then you start thinking, well, life is so hard, and I'm not sure for how long I can hide this fear. That's what many of us, that's the process that many of us, we go through. If that's you today, can I encourage you with this? There's nothing embarrassing about going through a life storm. There's nothing at all. There's no reason to hide or to feel embarrassed or to feel shameful because we feel afraid. It only says that you're a human being. That's all it says. In fact, there is freedom when we come before God and acknowledge our fears in the middle of our storms. In the middle of our storms. So I will encourage you, actually, if that's you, no reason to feel embarrassed, no reason to feel shameful. The good news is you can come to God and say, Lord, I, I feel alone. I feel like you don't care. Like the disciples assume Jesus didn't care because he was taking a nap. Honestly, that's how it feels. When you're hit by a storm and you're the first thing says, God, where are you? Are you taking a nap? Sometimes it feels, and I talk to friends of mine that have struggles with this. He says, you know what? If I believe in God, I have to admit that God is doing a very poor job as a God. Because he's letting me go through these painful things. So if he's truly God and he's truly love, he wouldn't let me go and let this world be in the mess than it is. Because that's the normal human response in the middle of fear. There's 
no hope anymore. Fear has this power to overwhelm us and engulf us in darkness. That's what, in hopelessness. That's why Jesus asked, why are you so afraid? See, his question is powerful. Now, let me, let me just ask you, and I know this probably can be, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be inappropriate or put you on the spot, but my hope is that today you feel that you're in a safe place. And let me ask you, how many of you would you say, hey, I'm in the middle of a storm. It may not be a big one, it might be a small one, or somebody that you love and you care about is going through a really big storm. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, like half of you, the other half of you are still probably waking up or don't realize that their storm is going. Let me tell you this. The question is not if a storm hits you. The question is when it's going to hit you. So if you're in a smooth sailing right now, praise God. Get ready because life storms come and go. Or someone that you love is going to be hit by a storm very soon. So... Many of us, when we go through this kind of experience, I can tell you for what I've been through, is something that I'm not looking forward to experience. Even though you hear me saying, it's not when, it's not if, it's just when. I'm just trying to be honest about the reality of life. Life hurts. But God always heals. Life can come and hit you hard. But God always restores. And does a big difference. So I want to give you some hope in the middle of the storm. So what I want to do today for the rest of the time as we look at this story. I want to I leave you with two things that are going to be so important to remember Right now, if you're in the middle of the storm or when the storm hits you, hits you hard, there are two things that are going to make this whole ordeal way different. It, this is, this is going to bring hope. It's going to bring um, expectation that God can do great things in your life, whatever storm you're facing. Two things. The first one, two things to remember when you're in a storm. The first one, you are in the storm with his presence. Everybody say his presence. You know, we were singing earlier today an amazing song. It says, not for a minute was I forsaken. And the song says, the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. We get to come in our faith, in our relationship with God to a place when there is no doubt that in God's presence is more than enough in the middle of a storm. That's what Jesus was trying to Help his disciples to understand. You see, in the middle of the storm, Jesus was in the boat. And sometimes we read the story and we just keep reading and we miss that important part of the story. He was in the boat. Yes, he was sleeping. Not because he doesn't care. He was there in the boat and he's sleeping because he knows, he knows Jesus being both human and God. He knows, I know that I'm in God's hands. I know everything is going to be okay. But the boat is shaking. But the waves are rising. The water is getting in the boat. Yeah, but we're going to be okay. 
Sometimes, that's, you know, we need to understand those, that alone is good news. Because if you know, if you're really honest with yourself, when you go through those storms, the first thing that is going to go away, it's going to be challenged, is do you really believe that God is with you? I believe, for what I learned about this church, you guys like honesty, right? And, and can I be honest? When I first heard that my son was diagnosed with autism, I can tell you the first thing I thought is was then God was forsaking me. And I remember uh, my wife and I were driving separate cars. I was driving the church van. She's driving our car. And I said, I meet you at home. She went her way. And I just had to pull over and weep. And the first thing that I said, why? What have I done to deserve this? I left everything to follow you. Why my son? And I was crying. And I was weeping. And the first thing that went through my mind was, I can't believe you're leaving me here alone. It goes through our minds. Whether it's true or not. Because I know now I wasn't alone. I just felt lonely. And I remember with a very sweet sense of God's presence in that church van. The Lord saying, I promise that I will never leave you or forsake you. And I will not start now. I'm going to be with you. And you know what? That's all I needed to hear. Okay, you're going to be with us? Okay. Drove home and started dealing with this mess. It was a new thing. It was a new storm. See, our good God is right there with you in the middle of your storm. But here's the problem. A lot of people think, that, okay, come on, I gave my life to Christ. I'm, I'm following. I'm going to church. I'm reading the Bible. It should be smooth sailing, right? Because if we're Christian, nothing bad should happen to us. If you have been drinking that Kool-Aid, it's time to stop. Because that's not the, what God promises. Christianity never promised a life free from struggles and pain and suffering. What Christianity promises is then God will be with you and with his love and with his grace as you go through life storms. And that's a big difference. That's the promise of Christianity. That's the promise of the word of God. That's the promise of God. I will be with you. So there is no reason to be afraid. Now, I understand. God, Jesus understands. He was a human being. He understood fear. In fact, we see all his understanding. When he's at the cross. Well, one of the first things, the questions that he asked the father. Father, why you are what? Forsaking me. Because he understands the human feeling. He knows that we go there. And he knows that we doubt. And he knows that we struggle. And he knows that it's going to be difficult. You see, one of the beauty of the scriptures and the relationship with God that he promises. And God never ever promises that the storm will sink you. 
And that's important. If you like to write things down, write this. The storm may rock you, but it will never sink you. Whatever storm that you're going through, I can tell you that riding this storm for 14 years now, it's been rocking. It's been scary. But we're still in the boat. We haven't drowned. We keep going there. And life is getting better and ever and ever. Because the Lord is in the boat with us. Can you say amen to that? Now, some, some now and then, some of you, you're going to be in the middle of a storm, whatever it is. And it's going to get really, really tough. It's going to be bad. And people are going to look at you and say, how in the world can you just go through life with this kind of pain? Because many of them are going through it and they don't know how they're doing it. That's why we live in the most medicated society that the world has ever seen. That's why we have seen the most, the, the, probably in a society that damages itself so much trying to cope with the reality of dealing with life storms. And we have the answer. They're going to ask you. Many people ask me, how in the world? You know one of the things that I discovered? I remember praying when we planted our church. God, help us to get to the broken in our community. And we had the opportunity to reach many people that were broken. With this journey in autism, I get to meet so, mu so much brokenness in homes and in marriages and in relationships. Just to get into know families that were going through this. Do you know that the divorce rate among parents with autistic children is 85%? It's hard. It's hard. It hits hard. And through this journey, we've been able, my wife and I, to sit with dozens of couples. They have no hope. They have no hope. And many of them with no Christian background at all. But they said, how can you be so optimistic through all this? And we couldn't hide our light. Many of them got to our church. Many of them gave their lives to Christ. Many of them, I've seen their kids growing to become amazing young, amazing young men and women. But people need to see that there's hope in you as well. And it all starts by knowing he is with us. He is not leaving us. He is not forsaking us. Listen. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let me say that again. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Come on. That's good preaching. That's good. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. The storm may rock you. Oh, my gosh. It will hit you hard, but it will never sink you. Jesus is in the middle of the storm. Remember, maybe you're not in the storm right now, but when you hit a storm, that's the first thing. Remember, you know what? In this storm, Jesus is with me. His presence is with me, and that changes everything. Amen? This is the second thing, and I love this. Also, you're in the storm for his purposes. Everybody say purposes. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. 
And what is amazing, this, the Bible tells us then his plans, his purposes for you are not for you to be in pain, to suffer, to go through like, you know, be miserable. No, his plans for you are amazing. He says, I want to give you a hope and a future. I want you to prosper in all the ways of your life. That's what God has for you. But sometimes in the journey, we're going to hit storms. Remember how the story starts. Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, let's go to the other side. He said, okay. And Jesus, knowing what was going on, he knows things are going to be shaky. But we're going to the other side. And the reason why it's so important to know this is because so many people think that if you are in a storm, if you're going through a hard time, it's because you did something wrong and God is now paying you back. It's karma. Hmm? <laughs> and that's not what it is. That's wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus knows they're going to go through a hard time. So let me tell you this. Part of the will of God Part of the plan of God includes suffering for us. But suffering is not the end chapter of our life story. Redemption is always the end chapter of our story. Always. Always. And what happens in those suffering chapters is what made this story even more glorious. So Jesus is telling these disciples and he's telling you, I'm going to take you to the other side. A side where you're going to experience all the goodness and, and blessings of God like you always thought I would have even more. But we have to go through sometimes a storm to get there. Sometimes that's what it is. And he's giving them perspective. Jesus is taking his friends to the best next thing, to the other side. Even though he knows they have to go through a storm. So we can say with all confidence, all confidence that, that we are not in a storm because we are outside of the will of God. Actually, sometimes we get in a storm because that's the only way to get to the other side. Where God is waiting with a greater reward. Listen, God always uses a storm to do amazing things in our lives. I, I mean, I will spend hours telling you how autism has blessed me, my wife, my marriage, my children, my church, my relationships, my leadership. So many ways. Just a quick one. You saw in the picture my oldest son. He's 17. Last night was his winter formal. It was so much fun just hanging out with his friends and to see the kind of young man. That he has become at 17. Sometimes it's scary, right? Like teenagers. <gasps> I have teenagers and toddlers. <laughs> so I have the best of both worlds, right? So I'm like, ah! But it's amazing to see. One of the things that I see in my oldest son, he has become such a compassionate young man. He's the best brother that a kid with autism could have. Now, don't get me wrong. They're brothers, so they have this. But at the end, and I remember seeing when they were little, I think they were six and five, and they're both wrestling, and I'm wrestling with them. And I noticed how Daniel, my oldest by instinct, knows I'm going to let my brother P 
pin me down, even though I have all the power to pin him down back. Because I want him to experience what is to be a winner. And he does it all the time. It's amazing. Walking to school together, relating with other friends. It's just amazing. And God used autism to do that in my oldest son. You, you bet he did. I mean, it's amazing what God does when you kind of get a bigger perspective. But honestly, because we're human beings, when we're in the middle of the storm, and let's be honest, we don't, we don't care. We just want to get out of the storm. It hurts. God, why are you so mean? Save us. Take us away from this. And God says, hey, let's, let's go to the other side. I don't want to go to the other side. If it means then I have to go through this. You know, if we know what the pain that we're going to go through for the rewards that we're going to get later on, many of us will say, uh-uh, I don't want to go through that. And I probably, I can give all the rewards away. I just want to be here and not move and not grow and just be miserable here. But at least I don't going to go and suffer. But God is going to say, no, I have great things for you. I have amazing things for you. Don't run away from the storm. Ride the storms. You know, it's amazing. I met in Hawaii. I mean, those of you that are surfers, and probably there are some of you here in Cincinnati, a lot of people surf. I met like hardcore surfers. They, I have some of those guys in our church. We have those when the, the storms will come and the tsunami comes and they're not going to be in the water. Those guys are just like, hey, we're going. And they're just packing and they're just so happy. They see a storm. And so let's go ride that storm, baby. And it happened to meet a group of cancer survivors in Hawaii and their name is Storm Riders and I learned from them how to deal with storms they see the waves and they go let's go for it not because they love storms because they know who they are with and they know the purpose of God in the midst of all of it it's powerful He's amazing. The reality is, I just have to call it like it is. You know, many people when they come to church and they get used to church life. And sometimes we can get so comfortable and, and, and yeah, it's cool. God loves me and all that. And it's almost like we are not growing up. We're not maturing. And sometimes there's a storm that comes and God uses the storm to bring that growth and maturity. Now, let me be honest because I can be honest. You've been very gracious to me. When I started to learn those things, when I'm in the middle of a storm, I was kind of getting irritated. Because I started again. Picture a God. You know, I remember my days I was in the military. and says, like, yeah, I understand how that works. They put you through the worst and they humiliate you and they do all those things so you toughen up. So is that what you're doing, God? Are you toughening me up? Is that what it is? Is that the kind of God that you are? I remember thinking all those things. And, 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 and I think through these questions that Jesus asked his disciples is, you know, the first one, why are you so, so, you're so afraid? And then the second why you don't have enough faith? Do you know that our faith only can grow in places where our faith has to be challenged? You're the only way, right? 
is the only way. What we miss in this story, remember the last part when the disciples says, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They discover a new reality of God they have never saw before. They saw the good teacher. They saw the miracle worker. They saw the, wow, he's so good. Oh, he's so good. But they never saw the God that controls every single thing in the universe. And through the storm, they have a very different view of God. They were terrified because, oh my goodness, this guy is not normal. The wind and the waves obey him. In the middle of the storm, how in the world, listen to this, how in the world you get to know Jesus the healer if you're not ever sick? How in the world you will ever see and meet God the deliverer if you are not in struggle? Some of you, you're about to meet Jehovah Jireh the provider. How would you ever meet the provider if you're never in need? That's what happened to them, and that's what happened to me. I get to meet Jesus the restorer, Jesus the healer, Jesus the one that has the power to dissipate my fears and give me hope. I met Jesus the one that can take a broken man like me and restore it through that, through that storm. You're about to meet Jesus in a very new way. You have never met him before. Through that storm that you're going through. Now I don't know how many of you know somebody who. They're just rock solid in your faith. I can think about pastors Benji and Jen. They're amazing in their faith. But if you get the privilege to know a little more of the story of the two of them. The reason why their faith today is rock solid. Is not just because they were in, in cruising mode all their lives. My goodness. The amount of pain and suffering in these two. There is no way in the world in human terms that they should be here planting a church and leading a church. After all this crap that they went through in life. But here they are telling the world and telling the city God is real. Because we experience a God that can heal the worst that could happen in a human soul. And they're here. What if God has in his perfect plan? Maybe you're saying, oh, but I'm not like a pastor. I'm not. But what if God wants to use you through this pain that you're going through as the, as the rock solid, the anchor for your family, for your friends? You see, it could be then by the way that you treat this storm that you're going through, friends of yours will see, wow, you have hope in God. There's no way you would have. Can I have that? You become the, the, the medium for, for these people get to come to Christ. Just because you take a different attitude to the things that you're going through. A more serious. You grow in your faith. And sometimes. Sometimes God has a, a much better way to do things. You know in the Sea of Galilee. The disciples learn something amazing. And, and I think that's what. Pretty much the story is all about because as I, the examples that I gave you, when you're in an airplane and things start going to get pretty scary, you trust them. I mean, just think about it. It's just a metal tube, right? 
thousands of feet up, up, you know, uh, in the sky with certain uh, amazing engineering uh, uh, capabilities. Then I mean, it's a miracle that that thing so heavy can sustain you. And so you have to get to know trust. Okay, these guys that may, I mean, you think about, you know, plane travel is the most safest way of traveling. You know, you start trusting in all those. Maybe the pilot is one. You know, maybe Sully is, 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 is piloting. The, you know, Sully, the guy that, you know, the Hudson Miracle. Maybe somebody like Sully, better than Sully, is, is the one that pilot in this plane and we're going to be fine. But at the end of the day, the only thing that can bring peace is when you know that no matter what it is that you're putting your trust, God has to be the one you put your trust in. These folks in the story were putting their faith in a boat, in a bunch of wood that could sustain them afloat. And they had to realize, I cannot put my hope in the boat. I need to put my hope in the one that is in the boat, who is Jesus, the Son of God, the one that can tell the wind and the waves to stop. I need to put my hope in Him. I don't know what boat you're putting your hope in. If your hope is in your company that gives you the paycheck, in your smarts, in your education, in your ability to do things to sustain you financially, my prayer and hope is that you start putting your hope in Jehovah Jireh, your provider. My prayer and hope is that you're not placing all your hope in your spouse that you love so much. That you're not putting your hope in your friends or that you're putting your hope in Jesus, the everlasting, the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one that will never seek you nor forsake you. You put your hope in Him. No matter that how bad that boat can go up and down and all that, and you may lose your cell phone as the thing goes off and all that. But if Jesus is in the boat with you, you place your hope in Him, not in the boat. And you will be fine. The other side is waiting for you. Will you say amen? amen. Let me just close with a thought. And I'm going to uh, just um, get our hearts ready. But one of the things that I learned through my storm is this. And you can write this down. Every storm has an expiration date. But God's purposes are everlasting. Sometimes we think it's the opposite. Then God's goodness is going to end. The moment then I go south, the moment then I do something wrong, then God is not going to be good to me. No. Listen, God's love and faithfulness to you is guaranteed regardless of how sour you can go with him. He's not all day waiting for you. Oh, you made a mistake here. I don't love you anymore. I don't care about you. I'm going to turn your, you turn your back on me, I'll turn your back on you. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not how God loves us. You turn away from him. But the story of the prodigal son. God is always waiting for your return. All storms. Every storm. Has an expiration date. Every sickness has an expiration date. Every heartbreak has an expiration date. Every disappointment has an expiration date. The goodness of God doesn't. His promises and His good purposes for you, they're everlasting. That's why we truly need eternity, folks. Not because it's kind of like a cool place to be. It's because God's love is so big. There's no containment 
in kind. It, it violates any wall of time. God's love and grace breaks all of that. Storms, they may come, they may go. And if they come, like my sweet friend, Cynthia Whitehouse, who went to be with Jesus 10 years ago, who was part of the Storm Riders, God used cancer to not only take her home, but also to have all her sons and her family come to Christ. But she always tell me, here comes the storm. She was diagnosed three times. She was in remission three times. The fourth time is what God took and used to take her heaven with, to be with him. But every time Cynthia came and said, storm, here we go again. Let's ride this storm. It's about to, we're about to see God in amazing ways. And what a testimony of her family just came to Christ. Friends, people that would never come to a church came to her amazing story, to hear her story. So many people came to Christ because of that. I think about so many people, and as I share my story with you, autism, it has an expiration date. I'm still dealing with it. It's different when you have a little kid, and my son David, I mean, when he was about four or five, I mean, blonde. I mean, he didn't look like anything like me. Blonde, blue eye, like his mom. Um, people even thought that I was like his babysitter a couple of times, uh, you know. One time, it's a true story. I was, I was with him, and I was working on f fixing the sprinklers. So I was dirty. I was buying some stuff. And the lady, the cashier, says, oh, besides a gardener, you're also a babysitter. I say, oh, thank you so much. No, this is my son. He's like, ah, oh, sure, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, he is. But it's different when you have a four or five-year-old son behaving not appropriately in a public place because he's so much, people usually give grace. And our culture is changing towards that. There's more awareness of people kind of, oh, maybe he has some problems. So people are, it's different when you're 15 and 16 and you're in a restaurant and you're having a meltdown. It's very different. So sometimes we go back and forth and say, God, why? Even though I'm preaching to you how to remember, I can tell you sometimes I forget and he is with me. And then his plan is good. So I'm preaching to myself today. But I tell you this every single time. Regardless of my failures, his mercy is there waiting for me. So I want to encourage you, friend. Whatever you're going through is not going to go forever. He is going to prevail. He is going to take you to the other side. And he is going to take you through whatever you need to go through.